Welcome to Effective Change, a podcast sharing the journeys of people who have creative social impacts. At Effective Change, we question the meaning of effective social impact and find out how these leaders have found their own ways to run a socially impactful organization. Hi guys, this is Consuela and Natalie and we're hosting today's episode. We hope you're doing well today. In this episode, we speak to Kay, founder and CEO of Fiber Lab. At Fiber Lab, they strive to create resilient, hyper-localized fashion communities within urban environments. Currently, Fiber Lab buys textile recycling and sourcing services, consulting services and educational workshops for the public and private sectors. Kay, we're so thrilled to have you and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. We'll just start off with some quick fire questions to get the ball moving. Could you describe yourself in three words? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, definitely creative. Creative is kind of the basis of everything I do. I would hope innovative and I would hope also fun. And then description. Dresses or trousers? Trousers. Same. <laughs> Who inspires you and why? Ooh, I think my partner inspires me. They're always like pushing me to go harder. So in the first section, we'll have a quick chat about the business aspects of Fiber Lab, and then Natalie will take on the social impact sessions. Would you be able to give us a quick summary of what Fiber Lab is doing so our audience get to know you better? Yeah, so we have a hyper-localized textile recycling service, which means we collect offcuts from the manufacturing process. This part is a little bit hidden from the consumer perspective, but through the garment manufacturing process, there's a ton of waste that's generated. So we work with all the local manufacturers designers, anybody who's making clothes to collect those offcuts and we shred them down into a raw fiber. And then we work with partner businesses to make new materials. We also have our consulting service where we help designers think about sustainability and circularity from the beginning of the design stage and source and produce everything all the way through. Then we do a lot of events, talks, podcasts now, and things like that to kind of help educate and share the work and the research that we're doing. That sounds amazing. I love the variety of projects, um, different aspects of business going on a fiber lab. Thank you. Yeah, we have a lot of different touch points, but I think it's also necessary because sustainability is very complicated. So while a lot of businesses focus on one senior issue, like recycling or developing one specific yarn or doing just workshops, I feel it's really important for us to kind of have a really holistic approach to everything. And I think that's also just how I work within my own business in life is I just dabble in all these different things. And I think that also kind of like resonates into my business as well. I think that's absolutely amazing. So on the terms of sustainability, because obviously we haven't studied sustainable fashion, would you be able to give us like a quick introduction to what actually is sustainable fashion? Sustainability is difficult to describe, and especially within fashion, because there's so many different levels of what sustainability means. It's subjective. What's sustainable for one person and one brand will be not sustainable for another person and another brand. I don't know if I can give a quick answer to this question because it's extremely complicated and there's so many different things that we're figuring out every single day. But I guess for me, sustainability means not just environmental, not just like measuring your carbon impact, but also the social, cultural, and economic ways that sustainability is integrated into our lives and the fashion industry as a whole, because fashion touches everything. Even though you may not think you're a fashion person, you're still wearing clothes, you're still engaging in a society that values the way people look, and it's, it's very complex. If we kind of move on from the kind of sustainability to more like story, when was your first experience with sustainable fashion? 
I feel like my experience with sustainability is almost kind of the opposite. I feel like I experienced fast fashion first and then through realizing how bad it was, I discovered sustainability. So it's not like I randomly just was like, oh, sustainable fashion, this is the thing I want to do. I was trained as a designer my whole life, making my own clothes, very specialty, everything handmade, custom made, beautiful finishes, beautiful fabrics. Then you go into the industry and you work as a designer at one of these big companies, which I will not name. But then that's where you start to really see all the problems behind this big opaque curtain that you don't see when you're just a normal consumer or even a normal designer making your own things in your own studio, in your own bedroom. But when you actually go into the industry and they're saying, oh, these thousands of meters of bulk fabric have to be rejected because it's 10% too blue or all these garments are slightly off so we can't sell them. And it's like a million pieces and well, what's happening? to that? Where's that going? So through my kind of frustrations with my role as a designer, seeing all these really tricky things that were happening, I was like, there has to be a different way. That's not really what I signed up for when I said I wanted to be a designer, like making stuff and being creative, um, having agency over how you present yourself to the world. That's definitely not what I signed up for is creating all this waste. And it also just didn't align with my values. Before I knew the word sustainability, before it was everywhere, I was already eating vegan and shopping vintage, doing all these things that I didn't fully realize were sustainable until I saw the other side of what sustainability is not. That's really interesting. So when you're talking about vintage shopping, I'm a huge vintage lover. And I also noticed a trend on social media, especially with like fashion influencers. Do you think they're making a positive shift to more like a sustainable and positive culture as well within like the fashion industry? Well, I think we're seeing two very different extremes when it comes to social media influencing at the moment. You have Molly May over here, like, pretty little thing. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. Just that absolute worst just viewing all this toxic information and then you have really amazing sustainability activists who are doing the hard work fundraising educating promoting the best sustainable brands and also challenging brands that want to work with them saying well you're not doing things that are good enough yet so if you fix x y and z then maybe we can work together so i think there's like this really big growing divide i actually don't know who's winning the game i hope that the sustainability activists will be winning the game but also seeing those top influencers kim kardashian and you know all the celebrities are still viewing this fast fashion hyper consumption nonsense that just needs to stop already and i think the gray area in between is so few and far between even the everyday consumers are either sustainability 100 i don't shop at primark or it's, i'm so happy i got these five pair of trousers one pound each at the primark super sale and that's like what i'm so proud of I feel like it's quite easy to be attracted to fast fashion because they look very fancy, you know, and also they're cheap. But at the same time, you're always like have fighting a battle in your head. No, I can't buy this because this is not the best environment. I should go shop secondhand or like go vintage or even just ask um, my mom or my dad's clothes. It's always going to be a struggle. Yeah, I think like a big problem with sustainability for a long time is that it's been lacking real style. I think that's something, you know, maybe 10 years ago, five, 10 years ago, people would sustainable fashion 
fashion? Does that mean it's all beige and organic cotton? I feel like it's up to the designers to make really good product that's cool and not necessarily trendy, but is um, a classic, beautiful piece that is also extremely sustainable. Sustainability shouldn't compromise style. And I think that's an interesting place that we're moving into now is where a lot of sustainable fashion is really cool and trendy and you're getting a lot of new brands and designers making things that are really innovative materials and really cool designs and you're not compromising anything by being sustainable. And I do appreciate that pieces are going to be more expensive when you're paying your workers ethically and sourcing responsible materials and designing within circularity and doing all these things. But that's where I think our perception of consumption needs to change as well. We have this idea that, oh, I can just go out and buy a new dress every time I have a new event, or I can just buy a whole new outfit and season of clothes every time the seasons change, or even every month or even every week, just as like a habit to go do something. And it's really, really difficult to change yourself because the society that we've been brought up in and programmed since the day you're born to buy new things and Christmas and all these presents and birthdays and just more and more and more stuff that it's so, so difficult to deprogram and say, actually, I'm walking down the high street and I don't need to look at that. And this was like a really hard thing for me to do at first as well, I will admit. I think I started by saying, okay, I'm going to go one month without buying anything new. And I think it was after like the holidays, I was just overwhelmed with how much stuff was in my house. It was so stressful. Classes overflowing, the laundry's always piled up and it's like, you still feel like you have nothing to wear. Just so frustrating. So I'm doing a one month, not going to buy anything challenge. And after that one month, I was okay. I did it. That was actually was that hard. I think I can like keep going. And now I like never buy new clothes. Rarely ever. Like maybe one piece, few pieces a year. Not nearly as much as I was consuming previously. And I think that also really helps like build a wardrobe that you're super connected to as well. You really, really think about this piece. Do I actually love this? Does this make me feel amazing? What different kinds of ways could I wear this piece? Is it only for one season or can I like layer it and wear it for another season? I really love the part about the personal struggles because that's literally me and my mom. We're always like, we both like really love fashion. And I also work part-time as a model um, when I was at uni. And my kind of is with like sustainable fashion is because I, I model for a designer who only designs with recycled materials like fishnets and all the things you couldn't think would be made into fashion show clothes, but they're made into really amazing pieces of clothing and I was literally just so impressed by it and that's when I feel like I kind of shifted from a fast fashion person to more like okay I do think sustainable fashion can be incredibly um, beautiful and also incredibly stylish and also I think maybe according to what you were just saying now what people need to shift is not just their buying habits but a different way of understanding fashion as well fashion is a new closing every single day it's more like restyling relayering or maybe i don't know even redoing some of the clothes that you have so i feel like maybe it's more like a attitude shift than just a habit shift yeah it's definitely a lifestyle i think we're working so hard at all of our jobs just to make money just to go walk around and buy stuff that we don't need it's kind of pointless when you think about it. I mean, clothing is something that we're all going to need. We have to like protect ourselves from the elements. And I do think fashion is a really important way of expressing your identity to the world, like who you are and your creativity. It definitely is like a part of our life as 
humans. Um, but I think the way that we're going about fashion is really all wrong. And the thing is, it hasn't been this way for long. Fast fashion has only really started in the early 2000s. So for a lot of us young people in Gen Z, it's all they really have ever known, but it hasn't always been that way. People used to make really beautiful clothes and they lasted a lifetime and actually lasted longer than a lifetime. People pass and their clothes are still there. But I think it's just a perspective and less is actually a lot more. I love it. I, I definitely agree as well. The, the, I feel like the feeling of having a hand-down piece from your family, or it might be from your grandma or mom, I feel like it's a lot more meaningful, at least for me personally, because I feel like it's a continuation of their life and of their expression. And I do feel like it makes me feel that this piece of clothing has their own personality, their own life, and they probably have lived longer than I have. And I think it's just like super interesting to look at it in that way as well. I wonder if it's hard for you guys, it's Fiber Lab, to balance like the profitability part of the business and social impact. I think I actually have almost the opposite problem because I always say yes to everything, no matter what it is. Oh, can you do this for free? Or can you help this person get work experience? Or can you do this project? It, you know, has a good social cause, but it doesn't really have any profit. I always say yes to everything. And I think for me, I've had to kind of slow down and recalibrate and be like, whoa, actually, I have to make sure I'm making enough to cover the studio run and have enough of the supplies and the energy bill and like make sure my business is still profitable while like, continuing to help others as much as I can. So maybe for some people, they're like so focused on the business and they have to take a step back from making profit, give back to the community. But for me, my instinct is always to just give more than I actually have, which I've only realized the problem when other people are like, you have to take care of yourself first before you can go and take care of everyone else. And you have to make sure you're going to survive with your business and everything before you continue doing all these projects for free just because you believe in the cause. So yes, there is a struggle in balancing that, but I think part of our business overall is that we work with a bit more high-end designers and manufacturers and they actually pay us to recycle the materials so we're keeping that accountability onto the people who are actually producing the waste so in some ways I feel like all of that is still very ethical and in line with our values. I just love the yes to everything statue. Yeah that was really the most important thing for me because I came from a place where I was already working in the industry and making my money by you know, doing something creative that lots of people would probably love to do being a designer. But I just felt I couldn't justify to keep going and keep designing with everything that was going on in the world is there's no point to just make more stuff. Like we don't need more stuff. We need change. So for me, like everything I do with Fiber Lab is based off trying to make the world a better place. Definitely does. Definitely does. I'm just going to pass on to Nat so she could chat with you. All right. I think over on my end, if I'm listening to some of your stories, I'm just out of curiosity. How does your sort of recycling services actually work? Okay. So at Fiber Lab, we're focusing mainly on pre-consumer textile waste. So it's clean textile waste. It's the textile waste that happens in the cutting process. So before your garments are made into 3D objects, they're laid flat on a table and you cut out the pieces and then there's like the scrap left over. And that scrap left over can be almost 20% of the total fabric. So it can be a ton of waste. But the one benefit you have working with pre-consumer textile is that you're 100% sure what that material is. So you know, like, okay, I'm cutting denim right now. And then you can pull all the scraps of denim into one bin. 
or the next material I'm cutting is a synthetic. So you can cut it and put it in a separate bin. So the benefit of working with that is that you can actually have it pre-sorted and you know for sure what you're working with. Um, and it's also clean and it doesn't have the trimmings and the buttons and the zippers and everything and the dyes that you might have to be really cautious of. So it's a lot easier to start with the pre-consumer textile waste. And also it's this area that's not really fully developed yet. So that's what we work with. And then we go around to local manufacturers, designers, makers, anyone who's producing textile waste. Um, actually a lot of students who are sampling things and creating a lot of waste through their learning process. And we go on a monthly collection. So at the end of the month, we go and collect the textile waste that's been pre-sorted. Alternatively, people can send it to us if they're without their um, outside of our local catchment area. So we will do collections within London, but then we will accept collections that are a little bit outside of London, but everything we do is hyper-localized because the way that the world is right now is a global, globalized economic system, which means there's zero transparency to where textiles are typically going off to like be recycled in some unknown place. Who knows if it actually does ever end up getting recycled. With a lot of our waste in the UK, we work so hard to like sort and clean our plastic at home and it ends up in China like, burning in a landfill, which is really disappointing. And the same thing happens with textile waste, it just ends up in Ghana burning in a landfill. So for us, it's really important to stop that entire process, stop the waste from ever getting exported at all, and just give local communities the ability to recycle textile waste within their own communities. So for us, that's like the key part that makes Fiber Lab different is that we're working within our local community to recycle everything. With that, we use mechanical textile, textile recycling, which is a process that already exists. That's pretty much how Everything does already get recycled. Basically, it gets shredded down. The plastics go and get melted into new plastics or the textiles go and get blended with new textiles. So for us, we had to develop a way to get this massive industrialized mechanical process into a small scale so we could have it in our city um, and have it be like local and accessible to all these different designers. We had to engineer this small scale textile recycling machine, which is small in size, but big in its capabilities. So even though it's only like a few meters tall by one meter wide, it can do 400 kilos a day, just a ton. Part of the process is that we make the people who are producing the textile waste be held accountable for the economic responsibility of recycling it and making sure it's dealt with. Like the current system that's in place, which is very flawed, has kind of this reward system for people who are generating textile waste oh, I'll go pay you to take your waste from you because I'm going to make it into a new product that I'm going to sell. And that's been the current business model. But I think it's really, really important that we challenge that business model and kind of flip it completely on its head because we shouldn't be rewarding people for creating waste. So we charge the manufacturers and designers five pounds per kilo for us to come collect, shred and recycle all the textile. And from there, once it's shredded, we then work with local partner businesses to make it into new materials. We're working with a paper business who's making like packaging and label products from it. We're trying to work with home interior products. So making like furniture board from recycled fiber, cushions, stuffing, working with fashion designers to make puff jackets. It's going to lots of different material applications. So we're not stuck on saying, this is our one product we're going to make. 
Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for structuring all that up because I think it sort of sparked my engineering side to re-listening to that machine. I would love to go and see that few meters tall machine. Anyhow, I want to ask whether you think there are any misconceptions about social impact in general, particularly within sustainable fashion? I think a big one for me is that it's very widely known about the social injustices that are happening at the garment worker level. But I think people outside of the fashion industry who are just consumers maybe are not aware of all of the other injustices that are happening through all of the different levels of the fashion industry, all the way up to the very top of luxury brands who are have really discriminatory practices and hiring and the way see a lot of these examples happening and getting publicized through diet Prada, the crazy racist things that just get put out onto the runway without people really thinking about it. Astonishing. But I think those are all examples of the social inequalities that are happening in those super higher up design houses and rooms where people are making decisions with absolutely no context to the outside world. So I think like it's a big misconception that only the bottom of the fashion industry where garment workers are working crazy hours and don't have any rights and guarantees for their safety. That's the only problem in relation to fashion social impact, but actually goes so much farther and beyond even to retail workers or, you know, local designers. And maybe it's a bit more well-known with like models and interns being overworked and underpaid. Yeah, I think that's the biggest misconception is that we maybe only think that social injustices, and don't get me wrong, like they're really terrible social injustices happening at that level of the garment workers and all across the industry, especially within raw materials. There's a lot of like forced labor and child labor, slavery, lots of terrible things happening. But these things are also happening like every day in places like London. I think we saw that report that came out over COVID where one of those factories up north who's producing like boohoo and pretty little thing were being forced to work in these factories during COVID. And there's like rats running around and like you think, why? how can this happen in the United Kingdom, which is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, people are still being treated like that here? And how do we have any chance to treat people better in other places? It's just astonishing. And I think there's a lot of denial around that as well. People just being like, oh, that can't happen here. That's something that happens in other places. That's something that happens to other people. I think that's a big misconception that we have to be very careful of. Thank you for sharing that. Another question I wanted to ask was that what else do you think that Fiber can be doing to create further social impact? Yeah, so increasing the social impact. I mean, there's so many projects and ideas that are in the works that I'd absolutely love to have come into fruition sooner. But I think like my vision for Fiber Lab is that each community would have their own fiber lab set up that would be run locally by people who are part of that community. And then it would be up to those people in the community to decide, well, what do we actually need change in our society? And for that might look very different in London than it would in Accra or in New York or in Bangkok. But my vision is that like fiber lab will be able to like spread our resources and knowledge and be able to implement people to be able to empower them and do these types of projects in their own communities. I really hope in the next few years, my vision is that maybe the UK will have a few different fiber labs. Like maybe there will be one up north where there's a lot of textile manufacturing and maybe like the social impact that's happening there is going to look very different from what's happening here in London. We will sort of finish off with one last question before we wrap up. I was wondering, any advice on how I guess we could dress more sustainably or form more sustainable 
fashion habits, particularly for those in our audience that are fashion lovers? The good thing is that there are so many different ways that you can express your creativity and be fashionable and still be sustainable, especially in a big city like London. Like there's so many different possibilities. And actually some of these sustainability tips, I feel like will make you more stylish and more fashionable than if you're just buying things off the shelf all the time. There are so many cool pieces that are unique and handmade on Depop and eBay. I know vintage shopping is not accessible to everyone because of the price point and also like the size is very challenging but if you are within that if you can be within that range I think those are really exciting great options also don't be afraid to buy something new when you need new things there are things that you need new you need undergarments that are new you probably need a shoe that's new but you can really investigate those brands the good thing is that there's so many amazing cool and fashionable sustainable brands out there these days that are small businesses and have a really amazing social impact but definitely do your research there's amazing platforms that you can go on and look at for a whole catalog of different brands that aren't just like your cookie cutter organic cotton basic and they're also swapping with friends or renting pieces for special occasions and definitely avoid buying like the thing that you know you're only gonna wear once for one specific time i know we've all fallen victim to it in the past but i think those are the things you can change also like when you're done with your clothes for me this is the biggest one of course you're gonna grow out of things our bodies change your style changes over time like it's just natural that you're you're going to have to like change your clothes eventually. So when the time comes that you do need to like clear out that closet and get rid of a few things, my biggest tip is to not drop it at the um, charity shop drop off because where that's going is not a good place. That is going mainly to landfill, like a small portion of it is picked over, possibly resold in the local UK charity shop. And the majority of it is shipped off to West Africa, Accra, Ghana, and it's into a big burning landfill that has really terrible impacts on all those local people. So so whatever you do, do not bring it there. Try to find a new home for it if possible. Try to list it on Vinted or Etsy Pop or eBay or like any of those channels. And if something is ripped, go mend it, stitch it up, then sell it. It will be okay. You know, you there are ways to fix things and sell them and find a new like loving home. Or even for the holidays, me and my family have started like swapping things that we have in our house that we just don't really like or need anymore. But it's like, oh, my mom would love this scarf. I'm going to wrap it up and give it to her, you know, and find a new home for something. And I know it can be frustrating because it's okay, I want to clean out my closet, just get rid of it, dump it somewhere, but just put it in a separate bag, take off your photos, list it, hold on to it, find a good home for it. And then going forward, try to only buy the pieces that you know are going to be the investment pieces that, you know, when you do grow out of it in five, 10 years that you can sell it off and actually it will still be wearable. It won't be completely shredded to pieces. Using your voice is actually the most important thing that you can probably do as, as just like a citizen of the world and a consumer. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Guys. Because I was, uh, I was just thinking about it, sort of like in the entrepreneurial aspect, we always say, you know, find your champion. And what you mentioned is basically finding a champion, champion to help you voice out what you believe in and your vision. And hopefully that makes echoing impacts and that rippling effect so that other people will start doing similar things and hopefully build their own um, new ideas, etc. So I really love that. And it's, yeah, it's just associating this back to, uh, you know, what, what we all do as entrepreneurs, you know, just finding that champion. And this is exactly what we can do, I guess, in our personal life as well. I guess, thank you very much, right, for coming on this podcast. It was a pleasure being you and we've learned so much about your personal journey as well as what we can do as, you know, the people listening, audience, how we can potentially change our habits and basically try our best. You know, every little thing will help. And yeah, I just hope that you enjoyed coming on this podcast as much as we did interviewing you. And thank you very much.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always so nice to have these conversations and it also helps me to like reflect on all the things that we're doing as well and, and just think about how things are changing within, you know, my own personal life and the business and the impacts that we're having. So I really appreciate the time for you to carve out these amazing questions and dedicate some time into sharing all this knowledge. So thank you so much for having me. You can now find us on Anchor and Spotify. If you like our discussion, please follow and share. Don't forget to follow Effective Change on LinkedIn and Instagram for exclusive updates and inspirations. <laughs>